0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Do you believe you can live a pain-free, vital life? Do you want to step back into your power and share your gifts with the world? Are you ready to make a commitment to you? It's time to reclaim your inheritance as a self-healer. Welcome, to the nature of healing.
1: Hello, healers. I'm Roseanne. Today, you're in for a treat. You're going to hear a perspective on freedom from a man who has been in the movement for decades, who does not hold back in his opinions, who ran as a libertarian candidate for president back in 2004, who has spent many years teaching classes on the Constitution. Remember that little-known charter of freedom that ensures our rights? And if you still don't know who I'm talking about, he wears a cowboy hat, he is a Texan in body, mind, and spirit, and his name has badass written all over it. Michael Badnarek, my good friend and sweet talker, welcome to the Nature of Healing podcast.
0: Well, thank you so much. It's good to be with you.
1: Great. Well, we met in 2009 at a raw milk rally in Viroqua, Wisconsin. And it was to support a man named Max Kane, who was defending his right to access raw milk from my farmer, Vernon Hirschberger. And I had no idea what was gonna happen that day, but you showed up straight from Texas, you spoke, and what a memorable speech that was, not only for me, but for the whole group. But you don't remember a thing, Michael. Why is that?
0: (laughs) Well, unfortunately, um, my family has a long history of heart problems. And after the um, court hearing, we were going to go to lunch, and I proceeded to have a really severe heart attack, which put me in a hospital in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And I was in a chemically induced coma for 16 days. I remember waking up in a hospital bed and wondering where the hell I had been and during my recovery i was opening envelopes people had sent me get well cards and i opened an envelope and here was this beautiful card inside the card was this picture of me holding this beautiful woman and i didn't know who she was <laughs> uh that was the disadvantage of uh, propofol the, the doctors refer to it as milk of amnesia <laughs> but <clears throat> we yep. uh,
1: I had taken a picture I had somebody take a picture of us in a big embrace, a big hug, and you were wearing your big cowboy hat and I thought, I gotta write this guy a letter and tell him his job is not over here on earth. And I sent that picture of us to you and you must have opened that letter after you recovered.
0: I did. It was after I was at my parents' home. I had gotten out of the hospital and I was opening envelopes and, you know, doing my best to respond to people. And, I mean, they were all very nice, you know, Michael, we love you, you know, you, we want you to stay alive. And, and like I said, I opened this photograph of me holding this beautiful woman, and those are moments that I usually remember. And I decided I have to backtrack and find out who this woman is, and I'm very pleased that we've uh, maintained a really close friendship ever since.
1: Yes, and I just want to say to my listeners that if you ever have the urge to say uh, anything to anybody, whether it 's in a public situation or you want to write a letter and and share your feelings about something if if you have that urge, follow it because what it has done for me with Michael is that we become friends and we sometimes have these long conversations on the phone because we're're um, we're, we have so much in common and because there's no having a short conversation with you michael but <laughs> And I thought that this time we'd record it for posterity so that others could hear all about the concept of freedom that isn't often advertised. You were a presenter at G. Edward Griffin's Red Pill Expo from June 8th to 10th this year. How did that presentation go? What did you talk about?
0: Well, my presentation was about fundamentals, you know, when you're trying to cut down a tree, a lot of people start by cutting off the limbs, and they can cut limbs for a long time, but you don't want to get rid of the tree. You've got to cut it down at the trunk, you know, right at the ground level. And so most of the ideas that we have are based on certain axioms. And there is a maxim of law, uh, basically something that's taken for granted, that precedes the Magna Carta. The Magna Carta was signed in 1215 and is considered one of the first documents declaring freedom. But the idea is that the creator always has more power than the created. Now, the Latin for that is "Derivativa potestas non potest, esse major primitiva which obviously I can't translate, but <laughs> Google does a good job of that for me. And the, the literal translation is, the power which is derived cannot be greater than that from which it is derived. I have two metaphors for that. Let's assume that you screw a hook into the ceiling and you tie a rope to it and you're trying to climb the rope. Okay. How high can you climb? Well, you can climb up to the ceiling, but you can't climb higher than that because it's the ceiling that's providing the leverage that you need to climb in the first place. So, I mean, you can climb to the top, but you can't climb any higher than that. Here's another metaphor. I have a dozen eggs. I could give you one egg or two eggs or three eggs. How many eggs can I give you? I can give you a dozen eggs, but I can't give you 13 eggs because I didn't have 13 eggs to start with. So there are logical limits to power. Now, I think that you know people will understand that we, the people, ordain and establish the Constitution. You know, we wrote the Constitution, and when we did so, we, the people, created the government. Looking back at our maxim, the creator always has more power than the created. If we the people created the government, therefore the government cannot have more power than the people. You know, the people have X amount of power. We can theoretically give it all to the government, but we can't give the government more power than we have. So if we the people create the government, they work for us. So... Explain to me why we are constantly asking the government for permission. If you are a parent, are you asking your children for permission to stay awake past 8 p.m.? I mean, that's kind of an illogical sequence there. have <laughs> the role of power backwards. So, unfortunately, most of us have developed, have we been conditioned to look for authority when you are five years old you have to listen to mom and dad you know they're going to feed you and you know protect you and when mom and dad say go to bed at eight o'clock well, pretty much you're going to go to bed at eight o'clock so you go to school then you got to listen to the teachers you get a driver's permit you got to listen to the police officers you get a job out of college and you have to listen to your you know supervisor your manager You know, get your reports turned in by Friday, you know, make sure your time card is filled out. And if you want to take a weekend off, you got to get on your knees and beg for a weekend off. So we are conditioned from cradle to grave to search for authority. Somebody give me permission to do something. Well, when are you going to be an adult? How old do you have to be before you're allowed to make your own decisions? Well, (laughs) if you are living here in the North American continent, in the area we refer to as the United States, when are you going to take the power of we the people? When are you going to control the government and not be controlled by the government?
1: That's a great question. I mean, we're sitting in a position where we are all having to ask that question. But could there be some kind of loophole in how the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence was written that that has put us in this place? I mean, some people do talk about the fact that the actual document was signed by a group of men. And those signatures, those men are the ones who bestowed freedom upon themselves, but not upon everybody else. The rest of us are slaves. So what do you say about that?
0: Well, let's rewind the tape. Let's go back to, I don't know, 1760, perhaps. And, you know, there is no constitution. There is no declaration of independence. Do you have a right to life? Right. Yeah. I mean, every, when I ask that question, people look at me like I've grown a second head. It's like, what the the matter with you, Michael? <laughs> of course we have a right to life. Oh, really? Where did that right to life come from? Did you get your right to life when they signed the Declaration of Independence? No. Your right existed before the document. In fact, the document was there to document your pre-existing right. So, did you have freedom of speech because they signed, they ratified the First Amendment in 1791? No. When I was running for president, before I was nominated and became famous, I was speaking at a college, and there were approximately 10 or 12 students in the auditorium. I was on a stage 20, 25 feet away, and I could barely see the facial features of the the You know, students that were kid come to listen to me. And I mean, it was a small group. And so I suggested, you know, let's go to a classroom. You know, we'll be closer together, a little more informal. We'll be able to see each other and ask questions. Nope. Can't do that. Why? Because the classrooms are locked? No. Well, because you're a presidential candidate and you have to be in the auditorium because the auditorium is a free speech zone. I said, a what? I said, what about the hallway? What about the rest of the campus? They they laughed, and they said, no, that's a speech-free zone. And I will tell you right now exactly what I told those students that day. I pointed at my shiny cowboy boots, and I said, anywhere I happen to be standing is a free speech zone. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that the, sounds like Michael.
0: <laughs> that The government doesn't tell me what I can or cannot say. The government doesn't tell me where I can or cannot say it. And I explained to them that I do not have freedom of speech because the Founding Fathers ratified the First Amendment. I have freedom of speech because I have never met a son of a bitch big enough to shut me up. that's why i have freedom of speech and one of my favorite presidents thomas jefferson explained that you only have the rights that you are willing to fight for that's right willing to stand up and declare your rights and exercise your rights then you don't have any rights You know, Roseanne, if you got up and started talking, and I say, sit down and be quiet, and you sit down because you're afraid of me, where is your freedom of speech? You know, you have just abdicated your freedom of speech because you allowed me to intimidate you. So, your freedom of speech is not dependent on me. It's not dependent on how big and, you know, nasty I can make myself appear, your freedom of speech depends on whether or not you have the intestinal fortitude to stand up and say what you think.
1: Yes. I always say the only freedom you have is the freedom you defend. And so many people are afraid to defend that freedom that they're born with. You're Absolutely. right. We yeah. are, we,
0: we've grown into a, a, a nation of cowards you know our national anthem says you know land of the uh, free home of the brave and and you have to be brave before you can be free hmm. you know you <laughs> true you, you it just can't go any other way and so many people are so afraid of so many things we are a nation of sissies these days i can't be- everybody's offended It's like, well, you don't have a right not to be offended. You know, I don't like what you have to say. Well, too goddamn bad. You know, I'm not here living my life to make you happy. So, you know, the reason that things are so terrible in the United States in particular and in the world in general is because people have a really screwed up philosophy. They are looking for someone to tell them what to do. That's what politically correct is. What do you think about this? Oh, I don't know. I haven't watched CNN or Fox News this morning. (laughs) I've got to go watch uh, mainstream media so they can tell me what I think. Really? So you're just a puppet. You don't have a mind of your own.
1: That is so true. And... I think it's from the school system. We've been conditioned to think a certain way, not to think at all, actually. We are told what to think right from the get-go in kindergarten. And we have to unlearn what we've learned. And you have written several books on freedom. You have written uh, the book, It's Good to be King, where you write a chapter on rights versus privileges. I think that's a really good place to start to to help people unravel the conditioning that they've embraced so let's talk about that comparison in the context of mandates i see people in social media demanding to legalize freedom You know, but my response is that freedom doesn't come from government. And a perfect example is when government tells you that they're granting you rights in the form of exemptions from vaccines. And these are not rights at all. It's just what you've been saying. They're privileges, like a driver's license, because they can take it away anytime they want. And the state is doing the same thing when it comes to freedom to choose, as seen by this repeal of exemption laws in California, New York, and other places. And the people have been duped. You and I know that rights are inborn and government was established to protect those rights. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I want to point your audience to my website, constitutionpreservation.org. And there's a menu item called books. And if you go to um, Good to be King, you can download chapter two of my book for free. It's a a chapter titled Rights Versus Privileges, and as you say, this is a basic place to start. You can't even be in the conversation unless you understand the difference between rights and privileges. You know, if I told your audience, you're not allowed to think of a black cat, am I capable of controlling their thought process? Well, no, you are in control of your thoughts. Now, you might be intimidated by me. You may even try to follow my edict. But in order to do so, you've got to think about a black cat so you can draw the circle and line through it. So, you know, your thoughts are inherent. They're a part of who you are. Your dreams are a part of who you are. And your rights are inherent. You couldn't give your rights away even if you wanted to. I mean, I try. I have this freedom of speech attitude, and I try to get other people to stand up and say what they think, but, you know, they won't do that. They just don't have the courage at the moment. Let's start by downloading Chapter 2, Rights and Privileges, and start there. But when I was running for president, they organized my very first press conference. It was kind of a dip my toe in the water and get some practice. There weren't really that many people there. It was just a you know kind of a procedure so that I could get used to talking to the press. And the first question at my first press conference was a woman who stood up and said, "Mr. Bednarik." what is your position on mandatory vaccinations well i hadn't learned how to be a diplomat yet i didn't learn how to answer the question without like instantly pissing people off and the problem with engineers is that under moments of stress we just blurt out the truth and so my answer to you know mandatory vaccinations was, well, you bring your syringe, I'll bring my 45, and we'll see who makes a bigger hole. <laughs> yeah, and, and of all of the things that have come out of my mouth over the years, that is the number one most quoted quote, because it establishes my supremacy over my body. This is my body, not yours. If I own my body, I'm a free man. If you own my body, I'm a slave. If I'm a free man, I decide what liquids I drink. I decide what foods I eat. And I decide whether or not somebody's going to put a needle in my vein. I decide, not you. And so... When I said, you bring the syringe, I'll bring my 45. people said, well, Michael, my gosh, aren't you being, like, you know, incredibly violent? I go, no, I'm actually trying to prevent violence. They go, what kind of violence are you trying to prevent? I said, you're trying to give me a lethal injection. And they go, no, we're not. This is just a vaccine. It's going to make you healthier. Like, how the hell do I know that? What if it is? a lethal injection. I'm supposed to roll up my sleeve and let you inject me. And then as I'm falling to the floor, then I get to go, oh gosh, that was a lethal injection. Maybe I should have changed my mind. (laughs) No, no, it is my body. Nobody does anything to my body without my consent. And when I say, you bring the syringe, I'll bring my 45. What it does is, outline and highlight the fact that the government is perpetrating violence against you with a needle. And if you are a slave, you will submit to the vaccination. You have no choice because you're a slave, you're a herd animal. I worked for two years on a cattle ranch and, you know, twice a year, we round up all the cattle, we put them through a a squeeze chute in a single file and we vaccinate every cow on the property. Americans in particular and people around the world in general are operating like herd animals. They don't want to make their own decisions. That's why they're listening to CNN and Fox News. It's like, oh my gosh, the government said, and like, if you are terrified of mandatory vaccines, and you are looking for the government to give you permission to not be vaccinated? It's like being Jewish in Nazi Germany and sending Adolf Hitler a letter asking not to go to Auschwitz. What do you think the chances are that you're going to, you know, convince the Fuhrer to exempt you? You're an idiot. You need to understand that the creator always has more power than the created we the people ordain and establish the constitution we the people created government they get permission from us not the other way around
1: perfectly sad but these tyrants these authoritarians and dictators They believe they are God. They believe they are the creator. And they believe we are animals. I mean, there are some laws where I think it pretty much equates humans to animals. And so they put us into the herd.
0: This is true, but the problem is not that the tyrants believe it. The problem is that 310 Americans believe it. 310 yes. Americans are willing to be submissive to the government. Oh, my gosh, i got to pay my taxes. I don't want to go to jail. The government said I have to have a driver's license. Really? Have you actually looked into that? You don't have a right to travel? It's not the bad guys that are the problem. It's the good guys who are willing to submit And I refuse to submit. Nobody makes decisions for me except me. Don't hurt me. Don't take my stuff. And I won't have to kill you. As long as you're leaving me alone, you are perfectly safe, at least safe for me. You start trying to tell me what to do. You start trying to take my property. You start to hurt me. That is going to be a fatal decision on your part, a career-limiting maneuver. Nobody tells me what to do. That's why people are so impressed with me, not because I ran for president. Who the hell cares? You know, I didn't change anything. In fact, we're worse today than we were 16 years ago. Nobody listened. So it's not that, you know, oh, my gosh, Michael ran for president. Who cares? The reason that people are impressed with me, because I don't put up with anybody's bullshit. I'm not going to be intimidated by anybody.
1: Yes. As they say, you are a rare bird, Michael Badnarick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, ma'am, I am. And I don't want to be rare. I want to be average. I want everybody around me to be brave enough to say what they think. You know, everybody should stand up for their rights. If we all stood up for our rights, then the government would have no place to go. Keep in mind that you and I do not need government permission to exist. The government, on the other hand, does require our permission to exist. There's a really important document. I know that none of your listeners have ever heard about it, but it's called the Declaration of Independence. It was <laughs> by a bunch of radical guys back in 1776, and unfortunately nobody in your audience has actually read the damn thing because it says that we, the people, have the authority to alter or abolish the government. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that you and I have rights. We have inherent rights that we are born with, and because we're attempting to protect those rights, we invented government. We ordained and established the Constitution. We invented Congress, and we gave Congress privileges. Now, the Declaration of Independence says that we can alter or abolish the government. What does that mean? Well, if we take back some of the privileges, then we alter the government. If we take back all of the privileges, we abolish the government. Good afternoon, I'm a senator. Not anymore, sir, because we've eliminated that job. Congress and the Senate no longer exist. Go home. Now, that sounds incredibly radical. But what is the Declaration of Independence? Declaration of Independence is a secession document. King George thought that, you know, he owned all of the 13 colonies, never been here, just sent people to plant the flag in the sand and claim it as his territory. So when we came to the colonies, we were British. We drank tea, not coffee. And we probably did that with our little pinky finger sticking out to show (laughs) how sophisticated we were. Okay. But... Benjamin Franklin identified a difference between revolution and rebellion. Revolution, he said, is an astronomical term. When the Earth revolves around the sun, it eventually comes back to its original starting point. An original starting point is, you know, everybody has, you know, individual rights and private property. We were mostly hunters and gatherers. And then somewhere along the line, we got into this crazy idea that the king owns everything. The king owns England. He owns property around the world. And, in fact, you know, if you can't pick both feet up off the ground at the same time, then the king owns you, too. You are a subject to the king. And we decided that was not a fun game to play. And so we got on boats, traveled across the huge Atlantic Ocean, and came to the colonies. And in 1760, we were all proud to be English. Hail to the king. Well, 15 years later, not so much. We had changed our minds. And that is what Uh, Benjamin Franklin considers the American Revolution a change in the way that people think and in 1775 British soldiers came to Lexington and Concord and said throw down your arms and you know you know go home and we didn't listen and in fact not only did we not listen somebody pulled a trigger and we ended up chasing the British soldiers, basically the local law enforcement, back to Boston, killing half of them along the way. Now, let me be very explicit. I do not advocate killing police officers, okay, unless you absolutely have to, okay? When we celebrate Independence Day, that's what I'm proud of, is Independence Day, not the fact that it happens to be the fourth day in the month of July. That's just a number. What I'm celebrating is our declaration to King George that we are not going to be subservient to him anymore. We are going to be free, sovereign, and independent states. And when King George said, no, you're not, we went, oh, yes, we are. And we fought to defend our rights. We kicked the British out of the colonies, not with freedom of speech, but with our right to physically defend ourselves. And that's a concept that has long been lost on the American public. I've seen many people with T-shirts that say, give me liberty or give me death. Uh, Really? Would you like to take a step back and consider that for a minute? Give me death? You're willing to die for your rights? I don't think so. You're, you're probably not even willing to turn off the TV, read a book, for goodness sake. It It's like you Americans are such slaves and you don't even know it. You are submissive and you're begging the government for permission. Why?
1: So if there is this ability as... Benjamin Franklin talked about to abolish government did they set up the steps to do that or do we have to understand how we do that and how do we do that
0: okay let's put this in personal terms one-on-one you're walking down the sidewalk and someone comes up and they start to choke you they are clearly intent on killing you Are you going to resist? I speculate that it's impossible for you to just stand there passively. You know, your DNA is built-in survival instinct. You know, even if you don't know karate, you're going to wiggle and toss and turn and make it as difficult as possible. You're going to try to break away and run away from the attacker. So somebody's trying to kill you. How do you go about stopping it? Well, that's a personal decision, isn't it? I'm not there. You're going to have to decide at the moment how to handle it. You're going to grab your cell phone and call the chief of police to get permission (laughs) for self-defense? Maybe you've got a letter in your pocket from the governor of the state that authorizes you to resist being attacked. If you have a right to life, you also have a right to defend that life. It's axiomatic. You don't have to anybody for permission and so I don't know how you're gonna stop it but I'm gonna reach down grab my gun and kill the person who's trying to kill me
1: that sounds like a revolution
0: well it's according to Franklin Revolution is a change in the way that people think, and once you've changed the way you think, then you go to rebellion. Rebellion is the physical resistance. So if we were listening to Benjamin Franken, he would talk about the American rebellion, not the American revolution.
1: Okay. The American
0: revolution happened in the 15 years before Lexington and Concord. You have to change the way you think before you can change the way you act.
1: Absolutely.
0: That is still true today. If you are asking the government for permission, it's because you think that the government has power over you. You think that the government is more powerful than we the people. You have to change the way that you think before you can change the way that you act think the government has more power then go ahead be a slave beg for exemptions to your mandatory vaccinations you're not going to get them because you're a herd animal okay if you change the way you think and you go wait a minute this is my body i decide what i drink i decide what i eat you know you bring the syringe i'll bring my 45 we'll see who makes a bigger hole don't mess with me
1: It's good to hear these thoughts because people are not thinking these thoughts. You're right. They're thinking in other ways. They're thinking as herd animals and need to see, need to hear it over and over again because that's all they've heard is what the opposition wants. Um, I like your take on common law versus admiralty law. That's another way to think about this. What are your thoughts on that?
0: People are ignorant of. Government. Um, When I give presentations, I will say, please raise your hand if you are a good patriotic American. Everybody in the auditorium, it's it's unanimous. Everybody considers themselves a good patriotic American. Okay, raise your hand if you can tell me how many articles are in the Constitution. Nobody. I mean, unless they've taken my class before, nobody knows how many articles are in the Constitution. So my question is, if... The government was doing something unconstitutional, how would you know? And the answer is you wouldn't, (laughs) which is why the government, most of what the government does is unconstitutional, because you're oblivious. You go, well, they're in Washington, they must know what they're doing, and I'm obligated to do whatever Congress tells me to do, because I'm a good law-abiding citizen. Yeah, really? But you don't think for yourself, you're watching CNN and Fox News, Wake up. The Constitution has seven articles. Articles 1, 2, and 3 create the legislative, executive, and judicial branches, respectively. Uh, you may have encountered a phrase called separation of powers. That's what we're talking about. Instead of a king being able to be the judge, jury, and executioner, now we have three separated organizations of government that do different things. The judicial branch is supposed to have power to control people who break the law. Which law? Well, if you were actually going to read Article 3 of the Constitution, which I highly doubt, you would find out that Congress, and the Supreme Court in particular, has authority under common law, equity law, and admiralty law. Common law is the law of property. It's a land-based law. When we say law of the land, we're not talking about law of the United States. We're talking about law of dry land. In other words, no water here. Now, compare that to admiralty law, which is the law of the sea. Land and sea are dramatically different environments. On land, I can set up a fence and go, okay, this area is my farm. I own this property. For buoys out in the middle of the ocean, and go, okay, this chunk of ocean belongs to me. No, because the ocean is literally fluid. And unless they're doing commerce, I mean, years ago, these great ships would go from England to China to bring back silks and spices and all sorts of treasures from the Orient, and we still do. The ocean, the primary reason for the ocean is commerce. What is on the ocean? Oil tankers, container ships, uh, great big you know boats going back and forth, basically selling stuff. And every once in a while, you have a little sailboat where somebody like me is crazy enough to try to sail across the ocean. But except for those few people who are on vacation in the middle of nowhere, the ocean is still primarily commerce. And so you have to have a different set of rules on the water than you do on land. On land, under common law, you have a right to property, and that is the most important right. God Adams says, the moment the idea is admitted into society that the law of property is not as sacred as the law of God, and that there's not a force of law and public justice to protect it, then anarchy and tyranny commence. So on land, property is sacred. On the sea, you know, possession is nine-tenths of the law. If you're cruising around in the middle of the ocean and you find a boat floating around, who owns it? Well, technically you do. This is called salvage rights. Well, what if the boat that you found drifting along says USS Michael Badnarik? Well, there might be some suggestion that a guy named Michael Badnarik once owned that boat. But he was dumb enough to let his boat drift on the ocean, And so I've got it. So possession is nine tenths the law. Maybe, through admiralty law, Michael will get back ten percent of whatever he thought he owned. So there are different rules for land and sea. and And fairly straightforward, but people don't seem to understand that we operate in the United States not under common law, not under equity law, not even under admiralty law. We are operating under statutory law. Statutory law is extra-constitutional. It is not explicitly unconstitutional. It's not illegal. It's just not under the umbrella of the Constitution. Roseanne, let's imagine that you and I go to Paris, France. We're sitting along the Champs-Elysees, watching the tourists walk by, sun is shining, and I reach over to the next table, and I pilfer somebody's croissant. They start yelling at us in French. (laughs) If you and I don't understand French, do we know why they are upset? Well, yeah, even if we don't understand the language, we know that they're pissed that I took their property. So we go to a French courtroom. I go, don't worry, Roseanne. I'm an expert in the Constitution. And I start to quote from the U.S. Constitution. How much do you think that's going to weigh in our defense?
1: Not very much.
0: Not very much. I mean, the Constitution may be a wonderful document, but it doesn't apply in France. France has its own set of laws. And France is authorized. They are justified. In having their own set of laws. The Constitution has no authority there, so French law is not unconstitutional. There's no way that we can legitimately prevent French law, but French law is extra-constitutional. It's outside of our Constitution. Statutory law is also extra-constitutional. When they take you into a court of law, this is not under the Constitution. Your rights are not protected. They may let you talk about the Bill of Rights because it's a charade. It's like a Shakespeare play. We already know what the outcome is going to be. You're going to be guilty. They just go through this kangaroo process to make you think that you had a chance of proving your innocence. You really don't. If you and I go to see Hamlet and we sit down in the theater before the curtain opens up, do I lean over and go, um, Roseanne, uh, what happens to Hamlet at the end? you would look at me like I'm nuts. We, you haven't read the play? You don't know the outcome? We know, we know what happens at the end of the play. It's just a matter of sitting through and going through the process to see how all this plays out. When you go into a statutory court, the judge and your attorney have a bond, an oath to each other that supersedes the oath that the lawyer has to you. Okay, if you were going to defend your rights, who's going to defend your rights more passionately than you will? Oh, well, that would be you if you knew what the hell you were talking about. If you have to ask somebody else to defend your rights, it's because you're ignorant. You're incompetent in the eyes of the law, and they are going to treat you like the five-year-old that you intellectually are. You know, you don't have any rights. You're just going to sit there and the judge and the jury and everybody is going to decide what happens to you, and, you know, you get to watch and listen, but you don't have any real influence over the outcome. So... I don't go to statutory court. Um, You know, the Sixth Amendment says that we have due process of law, and that ultimately means that I have a right to common law, equity law, and admiralty law in that order. I am not required to subject myself to statutory law. I don't have to, and I'm not, and I won't you know, you bring your subpoena, I'll bring my 45, and we'll see who (laughs) makes a stronger case.
1: I think that's excellent advice, and I hope people replay this uh, conversation over and over until it sinks in, because we're each going to have the opportunity to defend our freedom, I think, as we go forward. There's going to be many opportunities. For our listeners, can you Given an idea of the books that you've written.
0: Absolutely. I've written three books. The first book was at the very end of my presidential campaign. It is called Good to be King. It explains in great detail what the Constitution actually says, not what you think it means. And it points out that government ignores the Constitution. Well, that's a bitter pill to swallow. So my second book is called Secret to Sovereignty. I am not a lawyer, and attorney. I don't give legal advice. All I'm doing is telling you what I have done to ignore the government, which ignores the Constitution. They're going to ignore the Constitution. I'm going to ignore them, and I'm going to live my life as a free man. Now, again, I have the right to stand up, and I have the courage to stand up and say nobody's going to shut me up i have freedom of speech when my brothers and i were growing up my mother told us only floss the teeth you want to (laughs) keep mom (laughs) and even an eight-year-old can figure out the logic there you know only defend the rights you want to you know to keep so my book is this is what i've done You know, I recognize that I'm, you know, waking up the dragon and the dragon can eat me, but I really don't care. I have more power than the government. And I believe that sincerely. Um, My third book is called um, Philosophical Lighthouse. Um, Most people wake up in the morning, they have breakfast, they go listen to CNN and Fox News because they are incapable of thinking for themselves. They don't want to think for themselves. They are looking for somebody that they trust to tell them what to do. Go read your horoscope, for example. Um, My third book is basically a wake-up. You are responsible for your own thoughts. Some philosophies are good, and some philosophies pretty much suck. And my third book is an attempt to guide you to a philosophy that works a whole lot better than the one you got now.
1: Well, thank you for that. I think that's a great place to start uh, since there are really no other books like them on the market. So I am so grateful that you could share your insights with us.
0: Oh, I'm happy to do so. I'm, I'm excited when people are willing to listen. I am trying desperately to save the United States. I'm trying to get people to acknowledge and understand that the government works for them, not the other way around. As soon as a large percentage of Americans understand that, then all of our political and economic problems are going to melt away like snow in the early spring.
1: Beautiful. How can people pick up a copy of your books or contact you to teach a class?
0: They can visit my website, constitutionpreservation.org, or they can just call me directly. Um, My phone number is 512-461-0995. I will answer the phone. Somehow, after running for president, people assume that I have a staff working for me, and they're going to have to talk to my receptionist to see if they can get through the gate. I answer the phone. They say, could you give Michael a message for me? I go, this is Michael. (laughs) They go, oh, my God. Like, you're the guy. (laughs) It's like, well, who the hell did you think was going to answer Michael Badneric's phone?
1: Michael Badass Badneric, what an honor. Thank you so much for stopping by and talking to us, telling us all about what we need to hear. We'll continue to part two after this. And to all my friends out there, thank you for joining us. Until next time, healers. Lots of love.
0: Visit or consult with Roseanne Lindsay, naturopath, at natureofhealing.org, where you can find her books at her website and at amazon.com.
1: With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.